Being an athlete shouldn't end when our playing days. Society views being an athlete as a liability. I think we see athletes as your value peaks when you're playing and it's all kind of downhill afterwards. But to be an athlete, at least at the collegiate level, means you know how to work tremendously hard. You know how to deal with it. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show. We're talking about the business of sports, media, finance, athletic careers, all different kinds of stuff. We're here on Radio Row, the final day of Radio Row. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host for the week, Scott Rosner. How you doing, Joe? Cool. So, Scott, we're going to talk about a really unique thing. NFL player, former NFL players who live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. <laughs> so, uh, our guest today is um, now an entrepreneur working in, in pretty cool space, different space on the, uh, on the athlete partnership side. Uh, played in the NFL several, several teams. Um, Florida State grad. And we just found out he's got one master's degree and may be working on another one. But Christian Ponder, welcome to the Constitution. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I know, I, I, I know there's one other athlete that I've seen on the Upper West Side, Emeka Okafor, played in the NBA, and it's hard to miss because he's like yeah. six foot nine. Yeah. Yeah, I see him walk around the Upper, upper West Side all the time. So That's pretty funny. Uh, I don't think many guys imagine themselves moving uh, in the, in the uh, uh, at least in the Upper West Side uh, when, when their playing days are over. Yeah, no question. It's, uh, you know, one that I think it's the other way, yeah. right? And, yeah. You know, come, come to the Jersey side. Yeah, right? for sure. But I, I love the city. I mean, I, I, I grew up in Dallas, so I never imagined myself living in New York City. But um, when I was done playing, I, I we had visited a few times throughout, you know, during the off season, uh, and I just loved the energy. And for me to figure out what was next when sport was over, like it made sense to go to New York. It's it's where business happens. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the greatest city in the world, and and uh, and so that's that's what drew me. My, my wife had the opportunity to take the NFL job, which allowed us to live in New York City, and uh, it, it's been a great experience. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's one that really. And I really am thinking about it. It's, not, it's you know, Giants, Jets who will stay around yeah. in the marketplace. You never played for either team. No, right? I didn't. So to wind up there uh, is is actually an interesting move, right? Yeah. A lot of people move there in their late 20s, early 30s yeah. right, for work, and that's what you wound up doing. I was just recruiting Latavius Murray, who's you know finished with the, the Broncos this past year. He's still a free agent. I think he's still going to play, but he's like, he lives in Orlando. I was like, come to New York. It's the best place to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, and, and you know what the response to that is? State income tax. <laughs> yeah, right? I know, so, I know. Especially I mean, when coming from Florida it's exactly. not, uh, not, not an ideal situation yeah. is, is a big difference <laughs> yeah. right it's a huge delta yeah. right so christian tell us about the post your yeah. investors and how it kind of came about yeah so so the post is simply a, a social club and leadership network for former athletes and we define former athletes as at least at the college level um you know when i moved to new york city when i was done i, I merely I had job offers from ubs and merrill lynch to, to focus on wealth management um so i started in the financial world but started dealing with this deep discontentment around the idea that I've been an athlete my whole life. It's a huge part of part of my identity and my story, but it's also the community that I've been so closely connected to for so long, right? I've been on teams and in locker rooms since I was, since I was a kid. And um, suddenly I had to be, I was forced to remove myself from that identity and from that community. And so I looked at stuff in New York City uh, to, to join and belong to. I, I looked at a solo house, I joined that. I looked at YPO, Young Predators Organization, that's been around for a long time. Looked at the Core Club in Midtown, and uh, all tremendous organizations that provide a lot of value to to their members. It just didn't feel like my people or my tribe. My tribe was athletes, and so it went off in my head. If I was looking for community of athletes after sport, and I couldn't find it, first of all, if I was looking for it, I could be the only one looking for it. If I couldn't find it, maybe I should just build it. And uh, what's been cool is I've, I built this for me, something I would want to be a part of. It's resonated with a lot of people. And uh, our, our whole thesis is that um, 
being an athlete shouldn't end when our playing days and I, when our playing days are over because I, I think society views being an athlete as a liability. I think we see athletes as your value peaks when you're playing and it's all kind of downhill afterwards. But, uh, you know, to be an athlete at, at, a, at least at the collegiate level means you know how to work tremendously hard. You know how to deal with success and failure on an everyday basis in practice, throughout the season in games. Um, you, you're gritty. You're, you, you, know, you persevere. Uh, you're determined. You have this competitive drive. All these things that are not are those not the exact same qualities it takes to be successful in else in life. And so all these tremendous soft skills that sports develops. And so not only an opportunity to build a place for people to belong to, but also build this this high quality leadership network of people with all these tremendous qualities to do successful things in, in, in uh, life after sport. Yeah, no. So it's really interesting. So we do a lot of work, and I've done work um, for. 15, 20 years with uh, professional athletes transitioning, yeah. uh, thinking about, you know, the, their post-playing career. Uh, we did it at Wharton for a long time yeah. when I was there with uh, the joint program between the Players Association and the NFL um, and, you know, had a range of players, right? You'd have players, some of whom are walking around in this room right now, Hall mm. of Fame level players, yeah. right? All the way to guys who, quite frankly, you've never heard of before. Mm. Right. Unless they happen to be, you know, you know who the, the fringe practice squad guy is on your favorite team. Yeah. Right. Um, and and young. Right. So never too early to start thinking about what comes next. Right. Yeah. Average playing career in the league is under four years. And yeah. uh, and, and um, you know, we know that you're a young man when you finish. Right. Yeah. In, in almost all cases, put Tom Brady as the as obviously the the, gro- the gross exception to the norm. Um, and we actually do a lot of work with female professional athletes a different level financially yep, right yep. Um, and that's a whole other because now it's like career planning yep. right more so than financial planning right sure. in in a lot of ways um with we've got you know we've done work with the nwsl and, and with their athletes getting them ready for life after the game as well um and it, it's always tricky right i mean taught you know you, you go from make you know people go from making you know what a professional salary is at, at a high level and a good level of performance. So people have accumulated 70, $80 million um, of earnings during their day. And now you've got to get fired up because you're going to work for a high end investment bank. Right. And like you're starting, if you do really well, you kill it. You're still not going to be at the league minimum. Yeah, right? yeah for sure. And it requires a whole lot of hours too. And that's specific role. Yeah. Uh, I think for us, yeah, look, transitions are difficult, and especially for, for athletes. And I think how we help is is it starts with community. I mean, we are all looking for things to be a part of. And, and we there was such a strong sense of community when we, were, when we were in the locker, right? When you talk to so many athletes, hey, what do you miss most about sport? They say, oh, 95% of the time, the answer is the locker room. I miss the locker room. Sure. It's and, the guys. And so, yeah. And so for us, we want to build that new version of the locker room. It's a continuation of your athletic career. It's now it's just – be, you're not being an athlete on the field. You're being an athlete uh, in, in business. And, and it's a different type of locker room because it's, it's not a boys club. It's for both men and women. And, and I think really what we're focusing right now is building the veteran locker room. So we have VPs from Goldman who are former college athletes, a lot of I, former Ivy League athletes um, who are, you know, J.P. Morgan's of the world, who are at investment banks, who still identify as athletes. And I think just like when I was a freshman at Florida State, when I was a rookie in the NFL, I I really stepped into a space that had people that have been doing it year after year. Um, now I can immerse myself and surround myself with these people, be influenced by them. And so I think now, same thing, we're building this, this better locker room of business people who are former athletes that as an athlete transitioning out, I can go surround myself with who, people who understand what I'm going through, who understand that being an athlete is an asset when it comes to business. We've had members say, hey, I want to hire former athletes because we value them. Can you help consolidate that process for us? And so we're 
we're talking through things like that. But um, yeah, I think again, I, I, I'm building this for myself. I, I wanted this, and the fact that it's resonated mm. with others, it's been it's been great. It's been if someone else did this, I would have been a member of it yesterday. It's just been it's been cool for me to be on this side of it. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about the coaches you're around, the other athletes you're around who influenced you during your playing career that got you to where you are now? Yeah, look, the, the biggest influence for me was was Jimbo Fisher, who, who's now the head coach at Texas A&M, but he was my offense coordinator at Florida State. Um, he was definitely probably the hardest coach that I played for, but he was the hardest because he had the highest expectations for me. And when I didn't meet those expectations, he, he let me know very bluntly. And uh, But that was good. That, that was good. I needed that because I, I had coaches that I played for even after that that weren't very transparent. And I didn't know how I was doing. So it, it was great. But I think, you know, having someone like that push me, he was, he was a great, tremendous offensive mind. So it was always a continued learning process. And, uh, and so he definitely had the biggest impact on my career. So, and you were raised in an athletic family, yep. right? Your father, if I, if I recall, was a football player yep. at Florida state. Yep. Um, both you and your father played for coach Bowden, mm-hmm. right? Uh, during your time there. Um, and, in a way, so it's always been a mentality, right? Um, you know, your father was certainly not an active college athlete uh, during the time you, 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 you know, yeah. that, uh, that you've been around. Um, and so it's, it's basically what you've known. Yeah. Right? So talk to me about the, who are your investors? Uh, yeah, so post. so Will Ventures, our, our lead investor. Yep. Will Ventures was started by two Harvard yep. football players. Yeah, I, I said, we left yeah, the Harvard. Yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can drop yeah. Harvard, that's fine, that's, that's fine. fine. Two Ivy League football players. Uh, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah is all right. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right. you know, Isaiah played, was the captain for the Seahawks team in the 2006 uh, Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he's tremendous. What, what So, he's he's on our cap table. He's our lead investor. Yeah. Uh, Max Ventures is an early stage uh, seed fund out of New York City, started by Ryan Darnell as the managing partner. He was a collegiate baseball player. Um, Andreessen Horowitz, you know, we talked to Jeff Jordan, who was a high, uh, collegiate basketball player. Uh, Mavron started by Howard Schultz, former college football player. Now he's not involved with Mavron, but um, Natalie Dillon, who we talked to, played tennis at Stanford. FJ Labs out of New York City. Uh, Fabrice, who started the fund, played tennis at Princeton. Uh, Jeff Weinstein, who we talked to, um, he uh, he ran track and cross country at Penn. Everyone on I think except for one, everyone on our cap table was at least a former collegiate athlete. So it was one of those That's things cool. where like. This duh, this needs to exist. Yeah. We get this opportunity, and so it's great. They've been we have a great tap, uh, cap table. They've been, they've been very supportive of us. So tell me about what it's like at the post. So if an athlete shows, I mean, they show up, right? It's a private club. Um, what's the experience like? Yeah, the experience is so we we very much love like the YPO model. So we always, if you know YPO, if you know Soho House, we're a combination of both, and so we do believe in the physical spaces. We do believe that bringing people together in intimate spaces is important. So we will have our clubhouse that open in the spring uh, in New York City in the Flatiron District. Um, but this is also a national membership. But we believe in the cohort model, just like a YPO does. So if you join the post, we'll, we'll carve out a cohort for you. So for me, I'm an early stage founder. Let's put you on a team of nine other early stage founders. You have similar issues that you have to deal with from a business standpoint. You have similar ambitions and goals of the things you want to achieve. So immediately put you on a personal board of advisors that can help you navigate the issues that you're going to deal with as, as someone in your specific type of role when it comes to business. Um, we'll have we'll have content. So we have a speaker series uh, every month. We'll bring in we had Chris Pronger, Hockey Hall of Famer, to talk about what he did on the ice and how that's translated into his his uh, travel business that he's running now. And I was coming out with a Canadian whiskey brand as an entrepreneur talking about how those related uh, to each other. 
um, we'll do an annual summit every year. So I think we're going to do it in, in uh, Southern California in October, where people who aren't in New York City, we bring the whole network at large into one space to get together. And, you know, a few days of learning, a competitive event, we'll probably do like a that a pickleball is all the rage. A giant no, 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 no. <laughs> a giant pickleball tournament. And um, look, it's a network. It's all about the people yeah. that were there. It's all about building relationships mm-hmm. and um, and just building relationships with people that that you have so much in common with because of your shared life experience as an athlete. Yeah. Cool. One last question from me. Um, learning from loss. Um, how does that translate into, because, you know, I would imagine a lot of highly competitive people come in and remember the wins, but also remember yeah. the loss. How does that factor into kind of the, the ethos that you guys are trying to build? Look, I, I remember the losses way more than right. I, I remember the wins because they, they sting. Those are the ones that keep you up at night. Um, and I, I think who I was talking to someone recently who I works in, I don't know if it's an investment bank or something, but they were talking about how the people that they have that report to them, um, some are athletes, some are non-athletes, and how when a deal has fallen through, how it takes the non-athletes so much longer to get through that process than the athletes. Because the athletes, we dealt with failure. That's a part of being an athlete. And we actually, we do an interview process when you join the post. And one of the questions we ask is like, tell us about your favorite failure. Mm, that's because great. like we we want to embrace that part of our stories because we, we, we talk about failing forward. It's always a learning experience and we don't want to dwell on it. Uh, for too long. So how do we how do we turn that into a competitive advantage? Because because everyone's going to fail. Yeah. Now we actually asked the question, and, and anyone who's applying to our program knows this. Um, you know, we, we ask, tell us about your worst grade yeah. in your transcript. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's always interesting to see. I'm not going to tell you what we're looking yeah. for, or not looking for, right? But it's it's interesting to hear people explain their failures, yeah. right? Hopefully not an F, yeah. right? But sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and explain you know where they didn't perform to the level that they were hoping to. Yeah, right? and understanding why. So going back to my favorite code, like Jimbo Fisher, you always ask the question of of why. You always have to understand. So like, why did you fail that way? How can I learn from that and not fail in the same way the next time? And uh, and so I think it's it's a huge asset. I think athletes are really good at being introspective. Um, you know, as a quarterback, I was always look, watching film myself. I was always self-analyzing of, of what are the things I'm not doing well? How can I get better in those specific areas? And it's the same thing. Like, you should be doing those same exact things in business. Like, what am I not doing well as a leader? How can I get better in my communication or, or whatever it is? And, and again, like, we want to we wanna lean into that part of ourselves and not necessarily run away from when, when sport is over. Yeah, cool. No, no question. Christian, we... Got to let you go, but tell yeah. us where people can find out more about you and about The Post. Yeah, The Post. So it's just www.thepost.co, not com, but the .co. Um, you can go on there, check it out. Uh, there's uh, an opportunity to join the wait list. And uh, once you join the wait list, we have your information, we can reach out to you. But uh, it, it's as simple as that. Cool. Right. Well, once again, uh, Christian Piner from The Post. Good luck with the launch. Hopefully, you know we'll be stopping down at some point. Yeah. And we want to have you up on campus. Former Campbell... Uh, a trophy finalist, as a matter of fact. Campbell finalist. So, uh, once again, I'm Joe Favorito for Scott Rosner. You've been listening to The Cusp Show at Super Bowl 2023. We'll see you down the road. Thanks, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.